0: you know we spend so much time preparing ourselves our hearts our minds our souls and asking the lord to prepare us the strength that we need to bring the word forward and i am just i just wanted to start off this morning cuz what we're going to get into today is a a a a topic that is not often one that we like to talk about us <laughs> right and what a beautiful way to start this this morning um just with the songs, with Wolf's um, reflection, with his uh, call to worship out of John 12, with Bill's wonderful expression of communion and what that means. And so there's one song in particular that we sung that says, you didn't want heaven without us. Right? And we hear that, it's like, ah, you know, theologically we, we may not like the way that sounds, Right? Well, I mean, honestly, if we're being true, right, that's something that we have to take before God because his word says it. His word is very clear how much we are cherished and how much he loves us. Today, Wolf read out of John 12, of how much more value are you than the birds? Again, how much more will he clothe you? And again, fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You see, if we go back to the beginning, who was in the garden after God said it is very good? Was it the beasts only and the birds? Who did he make the stars for and the sun and the moon? Who needed signs and seasons? Who? We did. Those that were made in the likeness and the image of God. Or do we think that when God kicked us out of the garden, he was happy about it? That somehow he went back to his throne and said, ha, it's exactly what I wanted. Did God want heaven with or without us? Thank you for that song. He didn't want heaven without us. It was not supposed to be this way. This is not the way it's meant to be. And so we're going to turn to Genesis 2. And I want, to, I, want to, I want to enter into this text by first and foremost letting you know my call to you today is to not worship the creation. It's not to worship the creation. It's not to look in the mirror and say, I am so worthy. My call to you today is to have a right worship with God by having a right perspective of creation and what he's done. That is the call today. This is not going to be comfortable for everybody. I'm just going to say it up front. It's not. It's not what we're always used to hearing and learning. You mean I'm cherished by God? I have value? I have worth? Well, why did Jesus die if you had none? It's not going to be comfortable. But I pray that it will be encouraging, that it will be uplifting and edifying, and that through this, the call that we as pastors have on the church this year that we will go out and serve this community. Our hope is that you will see them for who they are, not who they make themselves up to be. That you will see them for who they are, not what the devil has deceived them into believing about themselves. That you will see yourself in the same exact way. So we're gonna get into the text today out of Genesis chapter two. Now there's a lot of stuff in this, in this chapter that I will not touch on. That's because that's not what the Lord put on my heart. What the Lord put on my heart is that he created a man and he created a woman. And in creating a man and in creating a woman, he created a community. That's what's on my heart from the Lord. And so that's where my focus will be this morning. There's a lot more in this chapter. I encourage you to to dive in deeper into this into this chapter. Learn about the garden, learn about the rivers, Learn about the beasts and the birds. Why did God not cause it to rain in the garden at first? Learn these things, but for today, we're gonna to stick to the man, the woman, and that community. Now, many people have written poems about the universe. And I was looking for, for a poem. I'm not gonna recite it, it would be way too long. But in this poem, a gentleman by the name of James Johnson in the 19th century wrote a poem about the universe He talked about the sun and the moon and the stars. He talked about the birds, the beasts, the mountains, the hills, the valleys, the rivers. He talked about the shade and the light. He talked about everything. And he finished his poem by talking about the creation of a man. And now in his poem, he wrote 91 lines or 581 words. And out of those 91 lines, he gave two lines to talk about the man. That's 2% of his poem was talking about the creation of a man. Now, if you look, if you look at the book of Genesis, we, we see kind of the same ratio. It's a little bit more in the book of Genesis than it is in this man's poem. He was a Christian, by the way, and he was, he was reflecting God and God's creation. But in the book of Genesis, we see that 6% of the book of Genesis is given to the creation of the man. The rest of it, the rest of the 94%, is the same. It's the sun, the moon, the stars. Right, The waters, the rivers, the, the, the grass, the fields, the mountains, the valleys. Okay? The beautiful thing is that Genesis chapter 1, while committing 6%, here's the two verses, verse 26 through 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Here we have that 6% of Genesis 1 that is dedicated to men, the creation of man. Now our focus for 2024 is connectedness, specifically Christ to community. How can we ourselves be connected to Christ and community, and how can we connect the community to Christ? And the first relationship that we have to focus on is that relationship between God and man. It's you and God, your creator. Second to that is your relationship to each other. Okay, These are the two relationships that we focus on, both of which have been corrupted, no doubt. Like I said, we were not created for what we see today. As I study today's passage in the context of connectedness, I ask a staggering question. Why is it so easy to look at all creation and wonder? Why is it so easy to look at all the universe in awe? But then it hit me, do we look at ourselves in awe and wonder? Do we look at mankind, human beings, in awe and wonder? Now, I have no doubt that some people do. We have doctors, we have psychologists, psychiatrists. We have people who study the body. That's their purpose. They get to see things about the body, just like Dr. Lyle gets to see things about the stars that, no, that other people don't see, because that's just not their focus. So there are people in this world that see the human, they see the body, they see the wonders and the magnificence of it, and it, it does throw them in awe. But the majority of people really don't take the time to sit back and say, What is this thing that God has made? I might have an answer to the question, but more importantly, I pray that I have a solution, a solution that might help you see the magnificence of God when you look in the mirror. Even further still, it is my prayer that after today, you might be able to see that same miraculous wonder in the faces of people around you, that you would see the galactical beauty in their eyes, or the sweet expectations of their ears as they listen, or the warmth that their hair provides, that you would hear the vocal waves of their voice and the beauty that's in it, whether it's a high voice or a deep one. Or that you would hear the beating of a person's heart and be amazed by that. That you would examine the brow of a thinking person or the tender expression of compassion that is raised with a parent's cheeks connecting with others and helping them become connected to christ starts by seeing them as god does people are greater than the stars i'm going to say it they're greater than the stars you are greater than the sun and the moon you are greater than the prancing deer in the field greater than the streams of water as they flow through the forest you are greater than the smooth sounds of a finely tuned piano or the colorful stroke of a painting on a canvas or whatever else throws you into this magnificence, awe about creation. You are greater, not because I said so, but because God said you have a value that is far surpassing the value of a bird and the value of a dog and the value of a star. Your value is of great worth to God. We should view people in this way not because of something inherently good in themselves, We should only view them this way because God made them in his own image. This is not a call, like I said, to worship creation. It is a call, rather, to worship God through a right perspective of that creation. And this is why I'm grateful for Genesis chapter chapter 2. 65% of Genesis chapter 2, 65% is committed to the creation of this man, the creation of this woman, the creation of the community, and all their relationships to God Almighty, 65%. So what is it that Moses found so important to write about? That he, he dedicates almost an entire chapter to the creation of man, woman, and the relationship with God. He could have expanded on the stars, the water, the grass, the mountains. He could have expanded on anything else in all of creation, but he chose the man and the woman to expand on. And so my hope is that today you will walk away, maybe not right away, seeing people as God does. It takes time, but that you would give it consideration and that you would, it would, it would, it would, it would, it would move you to think again about what you place as valuable. So join me in prayer before we read the word of God. Father, I pray that this morning um, hearts will be open, prepared, and ready. Ready to see, ready to know what is man. That we will have a desire to know and to see as you know and see. And that it will lead us to a proper worship. That it will lead us to being equipped for the ministry you have called us to. That's why we're here, Lord. We want to listen. We want to go out. We want to be transformed and to help transform others through the, the spreading of the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Genesis chapter 2, 4 through 25, I'm going to read the entire, the entire passage. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had caused it to rain on the land, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land. And there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land, and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon, it is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah, where there was gold. And the gold of that land is good. Bdellium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work, to work it and to keep it. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. And this is the text that we are in. This morning I will focus again on three parts. God created a man... God created a woman, and in making a man and a woman, God created community. So God created a man. Genesis chapter 2 is an extension of Genesis chapter 1, specifically the creation of mankind and their relationship with God and each other. This is a portion of writing where the author takes time to lay out the specific details of God's creating of man. Now, it's not going to be so specific that we can create a man ourselves. There's a, a joke about that, but I'll let that individual share it one day. Here he gives us key details to show how the man was formed. He was formed out of dust. And now we hear this like, okay, that's that's cool. But it is so cool. <laughs> Just wait. It's pretty cool. And how life began God breathed into his nostrils and, and he became a living creature. In creating this man What was this man, what was this creature, this living creature to do? What was its role? What was his responsibility? Easy. Or is it? He was to be in relationship with God and to take care of God's creation. That's what he was to do. Pretty simple, right? Take care of the stuff and love me. Worship me. Glorify me in your labor. And do it with thanksgiving. Don't grovel. Probably wasn't a word before the fall, but, you know, he was to do it with cheer and joy. That's probably all he could do up at that point. So God created something that would need to be stewarded, controlled, cultivated, cared for. You got, did you guys know that God could make a tree that doesn't need to be pruned? And he can grow grass that doesn't need to be cut. And he could make rivers that don't need redirection from time to time. And animals that never need to eat. But he made something that would require stewardship. That would require being controlled and cultivated, cared for. Now I want to make it very, very clear. God did not need help. Right? Now notice that song again. He didn't want heaven without you. It doesn't say need. God doesn't need anything, but he wants you. Big difference. I hope that you see this. I hope that you see that what God wanted was something far greater than we often think about. Fellowship. Relationship. Communion with his people. We see this partnership of sorts in Genesis chapter 2. God chose to create something that would partner with him, a person. His idea was perfect. He wanted to create something that was like him. The trees weren't enough. The water wasn't enough. He wanted something that was made in his own image. This, this person, this creation, would look at everything God created and be in awe. He would look at everything that God did and want to take care of it because he cherished his God. More importantly, it would appreciate, this person, this creation would appreciate God and he would glorify him and give him praises, all praise, all honor, all glory, forever and ever. Did you guys know that time wasn't a thing at this time? The ticking clock, when did that come in? Just another little, think about that. Genesis chapter 127, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. God, all caps, chose to create man. God chose to create you. Because that's what the Bible says. He chose you. He knew you. God didn't need to make you, but he wanted to. Why? Well, he created you to participate in the filling of this earth. He created you to participate in the dominion and the stewardship of everything that you see. The fish of the sea and the animals, the beasts of the field and the birds of the sky. He wanted you to participate in that. He created you to glorify and enjoy him forever for his glory. And in creating man, we see God's creative power. We see this power all throughout creation, we see it in the sun and the moon, the many stars in the sky, the water and the mountains, the atmosphere. When we peer into the world, when we peer into the universe, we are amazed or we try to be. How marvelous is the universe? About 80% of the ocean is unexplored. 99.9% of space maybe? Yeah. 99.9 I had to ask, 99.99% of the universe. The galaxies still hasn't even been touched or explored by humans. That's pretty amazing how vast this place is. It's huge. It's crazy. It's good. It's not crazy. It's beautiful. There is so much to our universe that we haven't learned. So much. But today, I want to encourage you to take a minute to look at something else that God made that is still not understood, baffles men everywhere. The smartest scientists and doctors can't get a grasp of this thing that God has made. What is this thing? We don't understand it. Boy, I wish we could because we would reproduce it, but we can't, re- we can't re- reproduce it. I can make a sandwich. I can make a house. I can make paper out of a tree, but I can't make this. What is this? Unexplored piece of creation that, that, that the brightest men, Stephen Hawking, can't even explain. Nobody. Well, you probably already can guess. It's, it's people, right? It's, it's man, it's mankind, it's, it's man, woman, okay? But to, to explore this, we have to see beyond certain things, right? As Jesus says, we're good at polishing the cup, the outside of the cup, we're good at showing people what we want to see right? What we don't want people to see is the inside of the cup. And so we hide behind the shininess of our cup. And guess what? We don't like to look in people's cups, do we? What happens when you look in someone else's cup? You see a reflection of yourself and all the, all the stuff you're hiding. So, so don't, don't show me the inside of your cup. I won't show you the inside of mine. We'll just walk around this world pretending until the day we die. That's all we're going to do. We'll be happy, we'll be good, but there's no awe, there's no wonder in this. I digress. So I just I want to encourage you guys to explore humanity. So what I did is I went online to the Know-It-All Google, right? And I searched up amazing facts about the human body. Now, some of you guys probably know some of them. Maybe you don't. I hope maybe one of these is pretty cool. But number one, the first layer of your skin is known as the stratum corneum it regenerates every 28 days. So your entire first layer of skin leaves your body over the period of 28 days, and you get a new fresh layer of skin. Okay, Where does that old skin go? Does anybody know? It goes in your bed, right? Yeah. I mean, right? That's where you sleep, right? It goes in your bed, your couch, your car. Where? Clothes, carpet. What does it turn into, though? Dust. Dust. Isn't that crazy? Your first layer of skin turns into dust. And what does the Bible say? Where does the man come from? And where is the man going to return? So literally, every 28 days, you're returning to dust. God's word is true. All right. Number two. You have 60,000 miles worth of blood vessels. Now, that's enough. That's enough to wrap around the earth two and a half times. Your blood vessels. If you took them all out and spread them out, don't do it. It would wrap around the world two and a half times. That disclaimer, right? Don't try this at home. Now, how, it would take you about two and a half days, eight, no, two and a half years, 833 days to walk that distance without stopping. No rest. OK? That's your blood vessels. Your heart pumps about two thousand gallons of blood per day. That's how much your heart is working. And you know what? It ain't plugged into no computer being told to pump. God designed it to do it on its own. Men can't figure this stuff out it's 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 crazy. Your brain right now is generating 20 watts of electrical power. You could light a light bulb. Don't do it. don't try it. okay. But you take, with that knowledge, you could light a light bulb with your brain's power. Number five, your body has around 30 to 40 trillion cells. Now, this one's going to be crazy. I mean, good, right? This one's going to be good. The woman's egg, what's needed to create life. A woman's egg is the size of a grain of sand. The size of a grain of sand. And it's considered a cell, a living cell. Now, from something the size of a grain of sand came you. (sighs) What? Isn't that amazing? The size of a grain of sand. From that, a human, you, are made. The 60,000 miles of veins. The heart that beats 2,000 gallons of blood every day. And then all the other stuff, the, the numbers of hairs on your head, the amazingness of your body. Scientists still don't fully understand regeneration. Now there's a lot of of parts of your body that regenerates without help. Here's a few of them. Your skin, we talked about that. The liver, the muscle, the bone, the intestines, the blood, and nerves, just to name a few. And scientists can't figure this out. But how quickly we will look to the sky and say, oh, look at how marvelous you are, God. I just I can't believe how beautiful this. Look at this. But within the same room, you might be looking out your window. You might look down into your left, and there's a mirror there. And you go from God, you're so amazing, to looking at the mirror and be like, man, I wish I could change that about me. I wish I could change this and this. That's the first lie of the enemy, when he told Eve, "You're not very good. You could be better." How often do we look at everything else but we look at each other and we, we kill each other with our false ideas of what looks good? You're not driving a nice enough car. Your clothes look like crap. Your barber, your barber chopped up your hair. Why don't you go back to school? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We, we do this all the time. Just something to think about, church. God, you're so good. except You did so good. except with people. Is he truly good in your heart? If you can look at anything he made and call it not good. Satan said the same thing. And that's what got us in this situation in the first place. Someone believed him. There's just things to really think about. Genesis 2-7. The Lord God formed a man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. I want you guys to turn your Bibles to Psalm 139. Uh, I'm going to read 13-16, through but before we do, with all of this... When was the last time you looked at someone in awe? It's just something to really ponder. I left the page blank in your book so you could write notes. It, you know, just write that question. I don't know. Remember it. When was the last time I saw wonder in the creation of man? This is a, it, it's explainable. It's explainable how we got to this place. But in Psalm 139, 13 through 16, okay. this this verse was put on my heart from a brother here at church. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My soul knows it very well. Does your soul know it? Does your soul know the wonderful works of God very well? Let's get there if it doesn't. Let's do it together. Let's grow. Let's, let's, let's learn to love the Lord our God in that way. Because when we move into that new building, I want us to be ready to not see somebody by their outward appearance, but to see them as a child of God whether it's a man, a woman, a child, whether they're black or they're white, whether they have nice clothes on or ripped clothes on, I don't care what a person looks like. I want this church, we want this church to, to, to see people as God does and to sing songs and praises to God for making them. Does your soul know it very well? that you were intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes, his eyes, God's eyes, saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. God created man from the dust. That's the first part. God created man. Next, God creates a woman. Now after making the man Adam, God acknowledges it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. This is where the Bible gets really, really, really good. Now I am extremely grateful for this particular part of the text. Okay. Immediately after announcing that he was going to make a helper for Adam, God returns to his creative self. He creates in this God makes the beast of the field and the birds of the heavens. In this we see the fellowship occurring between Adam and God. Now I 'm just going to walk you through this almost like a narration, okay? Just imagine it. God makes Adam, and now Adam and God are in fellowship together. they're sitting. Genesis chapter three talks about how they walked in the garden. they're having fellowship with God. Adam is having fellowship with God they're sitting somewhere together. And God looks at Adam and he says, listen, Adam, check this out. I'm, I'm going to make some stuff, and I want you to name it. Right? And I bet Adam wasn't like, what? I was like, okay, whatever you need, God, you're my Lord. I'll do whatever you need. So God says, I just made this creature, and it walks in the field. And I want to know, what would you like to call this one? And in comes walking, not in, they're probably outside, enjoying, enjoying the beauty of creation comes walking this herd of animals right before Adam and God. And as it walks by, Adam acknowledges its beauty. Oh, God, I love the golden coat of that animal. Look at its, its, its power and its muscle. Look at the teeth and the, and, the, and the leadership in his eyes. You know what, God? I want to call these lions. And God says, cool, I like it. That's what you want to call it? It's a lion. Gen Z. Then, then God says, you know, Adam, now look at this. And Adam looks up, and he sees in the sky a flock of birds. He, I mean, technically he didn't call them birds yet, but he saw something going in the sky. And he says, Lord, look at those wings. They're so long and big. Look at the beak and the talons, huge. Lord, I want to call these, what do you think he called them? Eagles. Good. He called these eagles. And God said, all right, we got lions, we got eagles. And this went on. Who knows? Who knows how long it went? Thanks, Robert. This probably went on for quite some time. Because look at how much stuff is in this earth, right? You got the lions, the tigers, and the bears. All right. Ants and bees, okay? <laughs> I like you guys. You guys are so awesome. So God, God looks at Adam, but this isn't it. He looks at Adam and says, you know what? I still haven't found a helper suitable. How wonderful, guys. Listen, God says, I love you, Adam. I want you to have a helper suitable. The very next portion of scripture says, so he makes the beast from the field and brings them to Adam to call them whatever he wants. And then the Bible says, but God did not find a suitable helper for Adam. What does that mean, church? Here's what it means everything you see in creation is not suitable for man. There's only one. Well, two. God is one, but the second is what? A woman. A woman a human companion, all of creation. But we live in a world, breaks my heart, we live in a world where we replace human relationships with pets. We replace human relationships with video games. We replace human relationships with isolation. I'm just going to go here and I'm going to spend hours and hours and hours. I don't want to talk to nobody. Now, don't feel too bad. Listen, guys, this is a product of the fall. This is a product of the fall. Our Lord Jesus Christ came back to do what? To redeem it. But we have to be real with ourselves. We got to do some self-examination. It is not good that man should be alone, so he made a suitable helper for him, the woman. And it's not, God could have reached down in the dust and grabbed another pile of dust and said, here she is. He could have plucked a leaf from the tree and said, well, here she is. Where did God get the woman from? Huh? Adam's rib. From Adam himself. How connected can we possibly be? How much more? And so when Adam, when Adam gets this woman, what does he say? You know, finally, finally. At last, he says. It isn't just like, oh, yeah, I like that. He says, at last, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, I shall call her woman, for she came from man. Finally, as if he was waiting in anticipation for this to come. Finally, it's here. A relationship that that I get to share with you, God. You, me, and her. We get to be one relationship with each other? Oh, this is going to be great, God. I can't wait. She wasn't created from anything else but for man. They were both entirely human. They were both entirely in the image of God. And the children they would bear would all be human, totally human, and totally image bearers of God. All of them. And where did he put these people? In the Garden of Eden. To work it and to keep it and to steward it because that's what he said was very good. He didn't want heaven without you, it was never meant to be without you, it was always meant to have you in it. But the fall. Something happened. Something happened with this community, with this development of a community between a man and a woman. And so in making a man and a woman, God created that community. Now a community is a group of people joined by a common life. They are united in common values and a common purpose. They are devoted to living out this life together within the larger society. This definition sums up everything we see here in Genesis 2. Man and woman, Adam and Eve, created from the same God, both human, both image bearers of God, both put in the Garden of Eden, both commanded to go therefore, be fruitful, make, um, be fruitful and fill the earth, both commanded to, to work, to keep, to have dominion, both in common union together. That's community, but let's never forget who's that other person, God. It's with God, that's the whole reason. It's the whole purpose of our existence, is to be in relationship to God. And then it gets corrupted. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That's Genesis 3.8. Right, when I'm extrapolating, I'm pulling from there to show that they had this fellowship with God in the garden. And it wasn't, it wasn't a mistake. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't eh, here and there. When I feel like it, I'll hang out with you guys. It was always forever together. That's the type of relationship God had with his people in this first community between God and Adam and his wife these three enjoyed fellowship together aside from sharing a common attitude of love affection joy peace comfort thanksgiving they also had the same interests it was God's desire that Adam and Eve would be fruitful and multiply and that they would work his land and it wasn't some kind of they weren't they weren't there to be harsh like overlord of the creation right they were there to steward it Right? This is God's creation, and God's inviting his people, his creation. I want you to care for it now. Right? If, you guys, if you guys found somebody, uh, let's just say you, you buy a new piece of land and, and you need your grass cut, but you like it done in a very particular way, and so you, you decide to find someone to help you out with that, when you find them, you bring them along, what do you do first? Do you teach them? Right? This is, this is my land. This is this area, that area. Here's a lawnmower. Go ahead and cut it. Right? So we don't see God just having this, I'll oh, take care of it. I'll see you later. And then he just takes off. Right? There's people that believe that God created everything and just now he's just hands off. He's not involved. But that's not true. God was very involved. He walked with them in the garden. This is the first Uh, human community designed and provided by God this human community isn't outworking it's a it's a type of the eternal communion that the father the son and the holy spirit have a perfect community where adam and eve were naked and unashamed there was no shame they knew what their purpose was and they were happy with it this is good i like it we're good to go but sadly sadly This place is no longer accessible because something happened. And I'd like to say, well, we all know what happened, right? But we don't want to assume. So here's what happens. Satan enters the scene, goes to the woman and says, you know, in in so many terms, I, I know God said you're very good, but are you really? You know, what did God say? Oh, you can't eat from that tree? Oh, come on, that's not true. You can eat from In fact. When you eat of it, you're going to be like him. You're going to know more information. And what that's implying is who you are, who God made you to be, it's not perfect. It can be better. How many of us walk around in our life every day thinking, I could be better? Now, it's very true because we could. We could walk in the knowledge and wisdom of God. And study God's word. What I'm talking about when I say better are those outward things that we do. Outward things that we do. In so many words, the deceiver was telling Eve that she wasn't good enough and that she could overthrow God's dominion and power and take it for herself because that's what he wanted. This perfect relationship between God, man, and woman was broken. The relationship that God and the man and the relationship that the people had no longer, no longer would Adam's touch be ever pleasant for Eve. No longer would Eve's beauty be sufficient for Adam. There would always be, not always, there would be from this point forward until something happens, a distaste or a discontentment in the heart of man for the things that God has given him and her. But I want you to notice something very clear. In Genesis chapter 3, when God removes Adam and Eve from the garden, Adam goes one way and Eve goes the other. Is that right? Does anybody get that in Scripture? That when they get cast out, Adam's like, thanks for messing life up, I'll see you around. Does that happen? No. They actually stay together. And they bear children together. Did God cast one out and let the other one stay in? No. They both had to go. But we do a really good job when someone doesn't fit our bill of saying, you know what, this just ain't working. No, I mean, there's discernment and wisdom. We have to be wise. We can't put ourselves in situations that put put our life at risk. All right? I just wanted to make it clear that your fellow man is not your enemy. Your enemy is the deceiver the father of lies. Yet we look at each other with bitterness, wrath, and hatred. We must come together with Christ as our great commander and fight. We have to fight the good fight for one another, for the people around us. We have to fight the good fight to the glory of the Almighty Father in heaven. We must look at each other in awe, to look and really look at what God has done. You and me and all the intricacies. He has made us wonderful. We are corrupted. Many of us, praise be to God, we can use past tense. We were. But thanks be to God, by the shed blood of his son Jesus Christ, we are no longer. We are covered by the blood of a purity of pure, Jesus Christ himself. And so fight, what do you mean by that? When I say fight, I mean fighting in the way that God would have us fight, first by recognizing it's not with our fellow man. The fight begins with yourself. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Hearing this message today, I pray serves as a form of encouragement maybe you have been provoked to look a little bit closer at scripture or to compare thoughts of yourself and others with the true scripture with the truth of scripture I'm sorry maybe you have been convicted to put away the old way of viewing people and adopt God's way of viewing people this is a good thing however like I said the flesh is opposed to this type of way of thinking it continues in its old ways. You must put those ways behind you. The fight begins with self-examination. As Christ said, first remove the log from your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck in another's. Do you think and assume great things about your fellow man? Many of you here today do, and I praise God for it. There are millions of people in this world that need to desperately know the truth of God. Desperately need to know the truth of God. I need desperately to be reminded of the truths of God. We all need reminders. All of us. These people are slaves to sin in bondage to the deception of Satan. They cannot see what we see. They can't see it, but we can. And we know it, and we know how beautiful it is, how sweet the taste of the Lord is in our soul. Do you want them to know about this reconciliation that Christ purchased on the cross by his own blood? This reconciliation that God secured through his son's death. This reconciliation is the will of our Father in heaven. For it was for the sake of man's reconciliation with God that his own son, Jesus Christ, was crucified, buried, and risen again. It It was for the sake of man's reconciliation that God sent Jesus Christ to pay the penalty of death for our sins. And it is through this reconciliation that you receive a new heart and are called to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that bids a person to repent. To come and kneel before an almighty God, your king and your Lord. Return to the sweet fellowship of the Lord. Return. If you've been listening to the culture and the world around you about what your worth is, what your value is, return to the Lord. This isn't just something that lost people do, God's people do it too. The culture is loud. But who's greater? Is God greater than the culture? <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It breaks my heart. I pray that you stop listening to this world. Please. Stop. Get angry. Do you know how many times your phone goes off with a reminder or an alert? You know, we're going on this Mexico mission trip, so we've been looking at Duolingo. And an alert will come up on my phone and be like, we miss you. We haven't seen you in two days. Where have you been? The next day, Well, we're kind of worried about you. You haven't come to us in three days. Well, I guess we'll leave you alone. Never mind. It's five days. Where are you? Anybody else see this? Like, we're constantly bombarded by the world. Competing for your mind. But your mind belongs to God. Competing for your heart. But your heart belongs to God. Yes. Yes competing for your body. But your body belongs to God and for your soul. We know who that belongs to. The world can take your body, but God can take your soul. (laughs) Come on, guys. Wake up. Wake up. The world is consuming you. Let it go. In the name of Christ, just... Turn to God and be free from the lies of this world. Uh, I I love you guys. And I only say this because that's me. I need to let it go. I have to. i got to let it go. It's consuming me too much. That's why I know, because I'm like you. I'm a human. I'm fighting the same fight you guys are. And I love you so much. But do you see now? Can you see it? Can you see how wonderful the human is? Can you see it? Fearfully and wonderfully made. Knitted in your mother's womb. Well, he's calling you. So what's next? Let go of the world. And when I say that, I don't mean run off to the caves and hide. I mean, don't let it have you in its control. Hold loosely. <laughs> and when something comes along, you're like, "Uh, that's what you got. You got to go. Can't have it. Okay? God is calling you today as his people. And this is what he says. To the one who conquers, he will grant the permission to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Revelation 2-7. For those of you who believe in Christ, you're going back home. You're going back home. And that's my prayer for us today, that we want to see more people go home. And then what happened quickly? Maranatha. (laughs) All right, guys, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to just uh, be with this church, to be with your people, to be in communion with them, and to just have a taste of what it's going to be like. A taste of what it's going to be like when we go to that place you've prepared for us. Lord, I do pray for the for, for the people, the community we are preparing to enter. Lord, prepare us. Make straight our paths. Protect us from the enemy. Help us to bring glory to you, Jesus. Let these words sink in as we sing praises to you.